A brief update. It's May the 12th, 2024. I've released just two episodes of this year. My father-in-law passed away in January. He bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years. Rest in peace, John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. The behind the scenes, the things that people only heard about, getting behind that curtain and and seeing Mike and just appreciating him for what he was and also for who he was, I think will come out in this because if you really look at 500 hours of footage, Mm -hmm. could you imagine sitting in there, Nate, trying to edit that, man? Because you know there was a lot of great stuff that didn't make it. Right. And one thing I found interesting when Mike had uh, told Nigel and myself back in 2016 at the camp, you can see on his face, he was like, I don't know if I want them to see some of that stuff. <laughs> you can already see yeah, that he had yeah. some, some apprehension. You're going to see the real Michael Jordan. He said a lot of that stuff isn't PG. <laughs> right. <laughs> then you are in Australia right now. You're talking NBA basketball. You're talking great teams. You're talking great individual players. Takes it off and there's number 23. And of course, Johnny goes nuts. So we're all getting first bumps thinking about it now. I just tried to go out there and play my game. I have no idea what you're talking about, Adam. I don't like anybody. I'm not a people person. Strand, you made the pass. Yes. Christian, can you catch the ball? Yes. All the stars were aligned and all the muscles fired at the right time. And I was able to get off the ground and throw one down. I was saving that as a surprise for you. And now, introducing your host for In All Airness, Adam Ryan. Welcome to episode 99. Thanks for joining me. Today, I'm very happy to welcome Nate Bellamy Jr. and Nigel McGill back to the show. They joined me on episode 75 to discuss Space Jam's 20th anniversary. Prior to that, Nigel was my guest for episode 68. I encourage you to check out those great episodes too. Today, we're chatting about the highly anticipated 10-part documentary series, The Last Dance. Its focus is Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls 1998 season. And for the context of this podcast chat, Nigel's relationship with MJ goes way back to 1981 when they were both McDonald's High School All-Americans. Nate met MJ on the set of the TV commercial Hair Jordan in September of 1991. Nate and Nigel share great insight and reflect on their experiences with Jordan ones that can only come from knowing him for so many years. Thanks to those of you on Twitter who offered up questions or comments about the series that I could pose to Nate and Nigel. They do respond to three listener submissions in order from Twitter handles A-N-D-G-A-R-923, Steve Kura, S-T-E-V-E underscore K-O-U-R-A, and O Offenseman, and that's spelt O-O-F-F-E-N. S-E-M-A-N. Thanks for your contributions. Towards the end of the episode, I'll share another great podcast review. If you can spare a moment or two, please add your review via your listening app. It would be most appreciated. Show notes for this episode and access to a huge archive of past episodes are available at inallairness.com. Now, on to the show. My guests today featured on episode 75 of the podcast. Uh, we celebrated the 20th anniversary of Space Jam with a great discussion on the behind the scenes details of that iconic movie. 
They return today to chat about the forthcoming documentary series, The Last Dance, a 10-part series devoted to Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls' 1998 NBA season. Nate Bellamy Jr. and Nigel Miguel, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here, Adam. Look forward to the chat. Glad to be here as well, Adam. Thanks for having us back. Great to speak with you guys again, and uh, thanks for being a part of this. Now, the documentary we're, we're talking about today was originally set to air in 2019, and then it got pushed back to June of 2020 uh, to coincide with the NBA Finals. However, an ESPN statement released last week reads, quote, As society navigates this time without live sports, viewers are still looking to the sports world to escape and enjoy a collective experience. We've heard the calls from fans asking us to move up the release date for this series, and we're happy to announce that we've been able to accelerate the production schedule to do just that. This project celebrates one of the greatest players and dynasties ever, and we hope it can serve as a unifying entertainment experience to fill the role that sports often play in our lives, telling a story that will captivate everyone, not just sports fans, end quote. Some of the production companies involved with The Last Dance include ESPN, NBA Entertainment, uh, Netflix, Jordan's own Jump 23, and I think Mandalay Sports Media. So as it currently stands, we're recording this less than 14 days from its debut, uh, I believe two episodes will air each week starting from April the 19th and it's been reported that more than 500 hours of never before seen footage was recorded by film crews during the Bulls 1998 season. So with all that said, looking back on my notes, um, the earliest that I can recall reading details about The Last Dance was in May of 2018. From what I understand as well, Coach Phil Jackson first dubbed the phrase The Last Dance ahead of Chicago's final season with Michael Jordan. When did either of you guys first learn that a film crew was following MJ and the Bulls around during that 1998 campaign? Uh, Nigel, let me uh, start with this, okay? And then I'll let, uh, let you come in. Now, when I first heard about it is when Nigel and I went and visit Mike at his uh, Michael Jordan flight school camp in Santa Barbara. And this was August 1st, uh, 2016. And during that particular visit, that's when Mike made it known to both of us that uh, he was thinking about doing this project and that they had 500 hours of footage from their last season. It seemed at that time he hadn't made a definitive decision or not. And so that's when I first learned about it. Now, what's interesting, the day that you hit me on Facebook Messenger, Adam, to ask to see if me and Nigel be available to, to have this discussion, Nigel and I had a discussion earlier that day about the last dance. <laughs> and I was, you know, reminding Nigel how Mike told us on, you know, back on uh, 2016, but Nigel told me at, at that time that he knew about it way, way back when. So I'll let Nigel come in and explain to you when he first heard about this whole deal. Go ahead, Nigel. All right. So it was about, uh, 20-something years ago, I had pitched an idea of uh, a show with Nike, a gentleman by the name of Peter Friedman, uh, to do a reality show. This was early in the game, and we were on a shoot uh, with MJ, and we talked about uh, potentially following them around, and he was open to the idea, and um, he said, I just have to clear it with the wife, but you know, I kind of like it. This was the second three-peat during that. And at that point, Nike had mentioned that David Stern wanted to do something with Michael following him around. But this was the NBA. This, this, this wasn't his idea. This was what they were bringing to him. 
long story short, we had gotten the okay to do it uh, through through MJ and the family that he wanted to do it. But the NBA and uh, Commissioner Stern had sort of put a kibosh on it and said, you know, no, because we have this going. At that point, Michael kind of drew back from what the NBA was doing because he wanted this done and it kind of went dead. Fast forward a couple years after that, we started to hear about the filming. And, and I heard this through, through Nike um, about the filming of their following them around. And this is what, what's come of it. So I can't do my math real quick, but that, that's 20 plus years ago, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. That's fascinating to hear that um, these sort of discussions were going on. And you were uh, right at the sort of forefront of that as well, Nigel. You were actually ahead of the game in terms of perhaps the uh, the reality notion of uh, following the team around uh, before it all came to be. Yes. This was specifically only going to be MJ, and it was more about him. Obviously, yes, the team and, and, and the NBA, we have to have access. But he was really going to give us some insight into who he is and what he was about. And obviously, he would be the, the puppet master maneuvering everything. But I mean, you're right, being ahead of the game, and that, that was an incredible opportunity, but a, a bigger boss kind of kind of had the same idea with bigger guns to shoot with, so that's why that didn't happen. But, yeah, we were there. We, 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 we had it on the table, and, and he had given us the handshake saying that he wants to do it. Wow. Yeah, absolutely fascinating to hear that. Thank you for, for sharing this information with us, guys. Uh, just to set the scene in terms of how the Bulls were looking as a franchise around 1998, uh, the GM, Jerry Krause, was looking to replace Coach Phil Jackson with um, the untested Tim Floyd, as far as the, the NBA level goes. Uh, Jordan wanted no part of a rebuild, and he said that he only wanted to play for Phil Jackson. Uh, Scotty Pippen was just coming off numerous quite serious surgeries, so he was struggling uh, to remain healthy. Dennis Rodman's off-court behavior was uh, becoming more of a concern in terms of the impact it had on his on-court performance. and. And Australia's own Luke Longley, he uh, suffered from some ankle and foot problems, which continued to worsen as well around this time. What do you guys anticipate or what are you looking forward to most from watching this series uh, when it kicks off in not even two weeks' time from now? For me, I believe that you would truly get a chance to see the greatness of who, what, why this man was who he was. The beauty of it, is because like we only see highlights right now and and they're still relevant but the behind the scenes the things that you know people only heard about you know getting behind that curtain and, and seeing Mike and just appreciating him for what he was and also for who he was I think will come out in this because if you really look at 500 hours of footage mm-hmm. could you imagine sitting in there Nate trying to edit that man cuz you know there was a lot of great stuff that didn't make it right and one thing I found interesting when Mike had uh, told Nigel and myself back in 2016 at the camp, as you can see on his face, he was like, I don't know if I want them to see some of that stuff. <laughs> you can already see yeah, that he had yeah. some so apprehension. You're going to see the real Michael Jordan. He said, a lot of that stuff isn't PG. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the one thing I can say about MJ is this. Off the court, he's Michael Jordan. She's just like, basically anybody else, level-headed, fair-minded individual. But when that guy steps on that court, he's a whole different person. He lets you know every second of the day who he is and why he gets paid what he gets paid. And the reason why he does that, Adam, and I got to witness this 
um, during the film of the Space Jam because he worked so hard, I mean so hard, to make sure that his game has no weakness at all. He is so dedicated to the game that he works hard and he also watches and observes his opponents and his colleagues to learn their strengths and their weaknesses, and he exploits their weaknesses. But he does that because he observes everything. And he also uses every game. See, playing 82 games for Mike was like data that he can use once he gets into the playoffs. Because he's like, I played against this team. I played against this guy so many times. I know what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do. And then he utilizes that information to his advantage when it comes down to playing in the playoff when, when every game and every second and every minute counts. So I think this is what you're going to learn about him, how dedicated he is or was and how hard he worked. He didn't take no shortcuts. I mean, he really worked hard to really have his game have no holes in it. And you're going to see some of it. It's not going to be too nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's going to be probably abrasive. but In some areas, yeah, yes. it will be. If you look at uh, high achievers, the most in any industry, you'll find they have some similarities. And part of it yes. is they're tough not only on themselves, but they're tough on people who they work with. Yeah. You know, they're demanding. So you're going to see probably that part of him, that demanding part, because he demands a lot of himself, which means he demands a lot of those who he plays with. The one thing that I would say about him through our interaction over the years He's the most consistent person that I know that doesn't have to be consistent with you. But if he is with you, he's with you. If he's not, he's not. And then the other thing is that he won't ask you to do anything that he wouldn't be willing to do himself. And if you're top on the totem pole and that's how you are, that's an amazing characteristic for someone to have as an alpha. Usually an alpha is telling you, <laughs> you're doing this. That's why a lot of alphas can't get along. The rare alphas can be a great leader and also be a great follower at times. But that comes with maturity and over years or whatever, because that's the toughest thing to do. And he's mastered it. People say, you know, well, we don't know if we could have won eight in a row or whatever. And that, that's legitimate. But, man, I would have bet on them winning eight in a row. Me too, without a doubt. I want to give... Two examples. I want to give an example of what you just said about Mike being consistent and that he wouldn't ask of you to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. There was a, a time I was in the trailer with Mike um, when we was filming Space Jam. And he wanted me to go get something from us. So he said, Nate, uh, can you bring me whatever, whatever? And then he said, he made it clear. I'm not demanding you to go get it. I mean, can you, you know, can you get that and, and bring it to me? And I said, Mike, I understand what you meant when you said it. I didn't take offense. You don't have to explain yourself. He said, I just want to make sure I was clear about that. And I really appreciate that. He wanted to be clear with me that he respected me as an equal. Okay. So that's one example. Here's another example of him being demanding and wanting his teammates to be where he was in that 96, 97 season. Before the season started, him and Steve Kerr got into a little altercation. And we all heard about it. And Mike socked him in the eye. Remember that? Yeah. Yes. But I want to connect something to that. Steve stood up to Mike. He didn't back down. So now let's fast forward to game six at the United Center, and Steve Kerr and Mike are sitting on the bench. And Mike leans over to Steve and says, if John Stockton 
doubles me on this play, I'm coming to you. And Steve said, I'm going to be ready. Connect that to Steve standing up to him in preseason to that last moment where Steve earned Mike's respect. No matter what happened, he earned Mike's respect, and that was the dividend of that incident. Fantastic examples, uh, truly. Thanks for sharing these great uh, memories, guys. I might just ask you if you can think of one instance of Jordan's maniacal competitive behavior in just a moment, but in the first trailer for The Last Dance, uh, we see a few brief clips of Phil Jackson uh, slamming a locker room door, and then we see Jordan kicking what appears to be an empty, I think it's a Miller Lite beer box, in disgust on his way to a locker room. Um, now, if that doesn't pique one's interest, along with the many sound bites they play during that 60-second clip, nothing probably will. I'd suggest that MJ had the final say on what did or didn't make it into the documentary. Is that accurate as far as you're aware? And, and if you can elaborate further on Jordan's competitive nature, what's maybe one instance where you can talk about how competitive he was, either on or off the court? I'll answer that backward. I'll answer the second part about the final cut. I am assuming that he did have some say what was in there. I don't know how much, but I would assume that he would have something to say with that. They gave him an editor's cut um, because him signing off and then his production company actually having a company credit on the production, that that gives him a right, and he's Michael Jordan. And then as, as far as his competitiveness, I can't point to anything specific, but I, I will say that there was a couple times playing cards and a couple times playing ball that card games let's go to first. If you were fortunate enough to be beating him, no way that it's ending at that time. No question. <laughs> no question. But the funny thing with him is sometimes he'd, he'd be up and all of a sudden if we were playing late at night or whatever, he'd be up and he'd start yawning like, oh man, I got to get up. You know, and then you don't want to quit. But spe specifically, if you're up on him, he's not going to let you leave or go to bed or, or whatever. <laughs> Personally, to me, those are some of the best times that I've ever had with someone because it was a camaraderie there. And at the end of the day, our gambling sessions, it meant more to me from a financial standpoint than it ever did to him. So, you know, that just proved to you that in, in, in my case, especially, it wasn't about the money, but he still wanted to say that he whooped your butt. <laughs> I love it. How about you, Nate? Do you have a, a particular instance that might spring to mind? I don't have any stories in regards to his competitive nature. I have stories in regards to his dedication. Please feel free to share. So, for example, it was at the Jordan Dome. It was one of these instances where Mike's team had lost. He was sitting out. We sitting on the, the basketball stanchion. And uh, Reggie Miller's team was playing. And he was really eyeing Reggie real hard. And he watched Reggie do something. And then he said to me, he said, Reggie doesn't go left. And so happened when he said it, Reggie did go left. I said, well, he just went left. He said, no, 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 no. No, he doesn't go left. And from that point on, if you watch that next season, which would be the 95, 96 season, he shaded Reggie to his left every time, every time. And he got it from watching Reggie play every day at the Jordan Dome, you know, I was amazed by that. I was amazed by his, his work ethic. I was amazed by his dedication because I said to myself, 
at this time, he had already won uh, three championships in a row, X amount of uh, scoring championships, MVPs, and all of that, and, you know, had all this money. And I said to myself, if I was in his shoes, I would not be as dedicated and I would not have worked as hard as he was working because he worked hard to the point like he was a scrub. Like he wasn't the guy that had all the accolades and had all right. these accomplishments. He acted yes. like he was a guy that was 12th man and said, I'm going to make it. Not only I'm going to make it to the starting team, but I'm going to become an all-star. I'm going to become all-pro. Like he hadn't already did all of that. And that amazed me about him and just really made me have way more respect for him. And I always felt that no matter how they market MJ, that they should have showed more of that. Because that was amazing to me. Because we well, were shooting this movie for 12 hours. During lunch, he really didn't eat lunch. He would work out. And his workout was amazing. And then after we finished shooting, then he would play ball for two hours. And I'm like, ain't no way I'm doing all of that. But he did it without no problem. So I remember that as well, Skate, because I, I always used to remember, he said, come on, Nate. <laughs> go up yeah. to the dome. He said, go up to he the said, dome. Nate, come on. He said, Joe, Nate needs to go. He said, Nate, go up there, get with Tim, get the games ready. Man, this dude, man, he was laser-like. It was just amazing. I'm serious, Adam, to witness that day in and day out. Because working on a, a movie and working 12 to 13, 14 hours, it's a different kind of uh, environment. And it tires you out in a different way that's kind of hard to explain. Because most of the time, you're waiting to do something. And then when it's time to do something, it's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then it's Yeah, back you got to be on it. Yeah. Right. Then it's back to waiting, right? And, you know, for somebody who's not an actor, you know, that's not his profession. That's not his occupation. It's not easy to make that adjustment. And the way he handled that and still had this just burning desire to get better, because that's what it's about. I'm going to get better. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to be the best that I ever have been before. No matter what I did before, I'm going to be better than that. It was just amazing to me. Just amazing to me, his dedication for the game. It speaks volumes, doesn't it? Uh, thanks very much for sharing those examples. Really appreciate it. It's a who's who of people that get interviewed throughout this series, just based on the real short clips that have been shown on the Last Dance trailers thus far. You've got um, Kobe Bryant, uh, Adam Silver. You've got Magic Johnson, Barkley, uh, Pat Riley, Pippen, Rodman, Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr, Ahmad Rashad, uh, Bob Costas, Ewing, Isaiah, I mean, the list goes on. Barack Obama <laughs> even makes an appearance, um, just to name some of the people that are involved. So it's going to be fascinating to hear what some of these people have to say uh, about Jordan and the impact that uh, he had basically worldwide uh, as far as winning all those titles six in eight years. Is there anyone in particular that you're excited to hear from in terms of what their uh, memories may have been? Jordan himself is going to be uh, having plenty of things to say, which will be fascinating too. Me personally, Immersing myself back in that time and that era, man, because, you know, NBA on NBC, the music, all that stuff just takes me back. It, it, it allows me to relive certain things. So I can't pinpoint any individual, but just the whole thing, just being in the midst of the whole thing is, is going to be exciting to me. And I'm looking forward to it. I would echo what Nigel just said. And also I would add to it and say, I'm going to be really interested in hearing from all of the guys that did play with him, not just the guys who started, but the guys who came off the bench, because that's where you're going to get some real insight because they were there every day and every night. 
So to hear from, you know, from other guys that was on the team that uh, had to be ready when it's time to come in the game and talk about their practices when they did practice and how that was, talking about what was going on the team playing, talking about being in the hotel and, and how, you know, the fans were, how they were received, you know, when they, when they would land in the airport and go to the hotel or being in the hotel. I would like to hear some of their stories, you know, being a part of that, that whole Jordan era at the time and, and how that impacted them. They were true rock stars, no question. And Nate, you and I have seen some of that firsthand on just how they moved around with Michael, what I, what obviously, I, Dennis yeah. and Scotty. You could be in a location with all three of them. They're a team, but it's three separate entities, and there's a different energy around each one of them. Obviously, Michael was the supreme, but Dennis had his own thing going on in a different way. Scotty yeah, had his own thing going on in a different way, but they were true rock stars in the truest sense of the word. Now, we didn't get to witness 98 when, you know, Mike hit the shot because he was in Utah. But Nigel and I did get the experience of the 97 championship because we yeah. was right there. We were there. You were there at the United Center. We were yeah. right there. We was right there on the floor when, when Steve Curry hit that shot. And I'm going to tell you something. It was unbelievable. I mean, to see 24,000 people in unison roar at the same time. I mean, it just went through you like an earthquake. And then after they had won, we're in the locker room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember coming in with Mike's moms, and Mike had the champagne bottle, and he was shaking and spraying people. Um, I remember yeah. standing next to Scotty Pippen while he's on the phone with Bill Clinton. <laughs> with with okay. the president, yep. <laughs> wow. I'm with Mike and one of his uh, security people, CT, oh, the black man who worked for the Chicago uh, PD. Police and, department. And, right, and, and CT had Mike's MVP that he just won from the finals. I held that in my hand. And then to top it off, Nigel and I were sitting at Mike's Plastic-covered locker, not just his, because all their lockers were covered in plastic. And we sat and had a conversation with Michael Wilbon of PTI and talking about Mike and the whole the whole thing. Just what you has know. happened, just what went down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is all before we went to the after party. <laughs> we got to experience that championship. What a glorious experience. That after party was actually his wife's birthday party sort of like a co-celebration because it was it was her birthday as well um Juanita at the time um an amazing night you're right mate and and Adam Mike never changed he went to that after party in his uniform yeah <laughs> true story I swear to god he was in his uniform he never changed <laughs> that's tremendous what seats did you have for the game itself were you near the bench or where were you placed no no I'm gonna tell you the truth I'm going to tell you the truth where we were placed. So, you know, I mean, Mike got a lot of people. Yeah. So the tickets that we had, Adam, was at the very top behind the last row, and they had, like, footprints for you to stand. <laughs> we didn't have a we seat. The standing room only. We didn't have a seat. <laughs> so what we did, we went we went down to, I uh, forgot what, what level, and most of the guys from Nike and all of that were at this level. And basically, we watched most of the game right there. 
until the last shot where so we was right there where we can walk down onto the court. But for the most of the game, we watched it there because, like Nigel said, we didn't have a seat. We had we didn't have a front. seat. <laughs> we had access to the arena. Uh, they gave us special <laughs> passes. Before the shot was taken, we were practically on the floor. And let me yeah. say this, because United Center, those type of centers, like the same thing, like the Staples Center, they cabinets, they huge, right? So where we were at, they looked like little ants, Adam. <laughs> you you could barely make out who was who. <laughs> so. I don't know if you remember this, Nate, that was his name, Jeff? Jeff Hornacek? Jeff Hornacek? Jeff Hornacek. Do yeah, you yeah, remember his brother? I was just yeah, 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 yeah. Bring that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so yeah, pissed yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he was a big dude too. When the fans erupted, uh, when Steve made that shot and the fans erupted, like they were just celebrating over. He wanted to actually get in the fight because one of the Chicago fans was being really obnoxious. Yeah, obnoxious. To him. Yeah. He was a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> like Nate was just saying, it was just so overwhelming and to be there because. At that point, I think like the last five or six minutes, we had actually came down to the floor areas. So we watched a good part of that fourth quarter or whatever down amongst everybody. And also what added to it too, Adam, you got to remember, it was nip and tuck. Mm. This was not a blowout and the game was, was in the balance. You might have felt confident that the Bulls were going to win, but it could have easily gone the other way. So it was two things happening at the same time. Things are going back and forth. You're not sure that they're going to win. You hope they win. You, you might feel that they win. It was like a relief and a celebration at the same time. It was like a relief, like, yes, that's the shot we needed. Yes, he made it. And it all happened at the same time. It was just instantaneously. Everybody just erupted. It was just unbelievable because you, you didn't know it was going to happen that way. You couldn't anticipate right. the play playing out that way. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and without question, it was priceless. Something that I'll never forget. I'm just having a quick look on basketballreference.com now. Uh, in the fourth quarter of Game 6, Chicago outscored Utah 26-16 to and held on to win 90-86 to in the end. So it was a bit of a rally there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Utah was up, correct. Utah was up going into the fourth quarter. For interest sake, Jordan had 39 points. 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block. And 1 major assist. <laughs> one that Steve Kerr will never forget, and neither will any Chicago fan for the rest of their lives. Yep. I'm going to ask you a question that you had sent to me before this um, interview. And the question you had was, what a tribute made MJ so hard to guard? We know he was good, but what can't we see on TV that one has to experience live to fully grasp? How I would begin to answer that, and then I'll let Nigel get, give his, his take. So amongst his friends, they call him the black cat. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it, black cat, meaning what, what does a cat have? Unbelievable quickness. So what you see is this unbelievable quickness that's hard to imagine because great people like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, make what's most difficult look easy. Look easy, yeah. 100%, bro. So he had this quickness, and I would guarantee you most of the people who guarded him would say he had this uncanny quickness that's hard to describe. You think you had him, like you had a great defensive position, you was up on him, and next thing you know, he'll make one move, and he's gone. He's just gone. And for those who were there, especially courtside, they probably could see that. 
you know, where it just amazes you, like, wow, how does he do that? You know, this looks like he made a basic move, but he's he's gone in the flash. And, and that's what you call the black cat. It's a perfect nickname, isn't it, really? I'll add to that um, one thing is, along with that great quickness, unbelievably strong. Oh, without a doubt. Unbelievably strong because, you know, I mean, he's well put together, no no question, but the, the, the strength that goes along with that, you would think would come from a bigger man. I always used to tell people those shots when somebody would come to me comparing Kobe to Michael. I said, yeah, they make those same shots, but Michael makes it look so much easier. Quickness and strength to me was the difference. Now, you can argue different things Kobe might have done a little better or on par with, but quickness and strength, definitely strength, it, it, it wasn't the same. But I even think Michael was quicker than him. Um, yeah, no question. And, and here's another thing, too. Unbelievable stamina. Like, unbelievable. You could talk to Coach K, anybody who's coached him, been around him, where they can tell you stories of him hanging out all night and doing all kind of stuff, and then comes time for the game, and he plays all game long like he ain't did nothing. Unbelievable stamina. I mean, just unbelievable. And another person who had more stamina than Mike, Dennis Rodman. Dennis um, Rodman, I mean, yeah. His stamina was off the charts. I'm serious. Remember that stamina. one game? Sorry not to cut you off, but yeah. after the game, he would work out. Oh, this yeah. is after playing a full full game. He would work out, life cycle, couple weights, and then go out and party afterwards and then be ready right. in the morning. So, so unbelievable quickness, stronger than what he looked like. I mean, he was what they call wiry strong. But his stamina, his stamina separates him from LeBron and Kobe. Kobe and LeBron got the skills. They can do almost anything Mike could do, but they definitely don't have his stamina without. And I don't think that's even a question. Yeah. But they don't even come close to Mike's stamina. Here's another question that you had for us, Adam. You said you're hoping for the warts and all look at MJ, and hopefully this documentary isn't treated like a polished Ahmad Rashad interview or 90s VHS special. Um, I haven't seen it, but I, I don't think you have to worry about that. <laughs> it's not going to be <laughs> it's not going to be some polished Ahmad Rashad interview. I think it's going to be totally different. But let me also say this. It's 10 episodes. So that 10 episodes ain't going to all be about just that last season. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to tell the story of Michael Jordan in those 10 episodes. And throughout, they will probably interject, you know, moments of the last season. And, you know, you know, because I've seen a clip or two with James Worthy talking about his experience playing with Mike at uh, North Carolina and what did he think of him when he first met him and, and so forth. So I think it's going to be the whole total package of who Michael Jordan is, you know, with the anchor being the last thing. Fantastic. But here's your last question. I think it's really an important question. And it's one of those questions we'll never know. You said, what were Chicago's chances had the 1998 series gone to a game seven in Utah? That's a great question. And then you add to that. You said Pippen was hurt. Jordan was running on fumes. Those three plays Jordan made in the final minutes of the game, the layup, the Malone strip, and the shot to win the series still gives me goosebumps. So, Man, that's a hell of a question. Uh, Nigel, the floor is yours. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know what would have happened if it went to game seven, but 
I believe that's the beauty of who Michael Jordan is or who he was on the court. It never went to seven. And so, <laughs> right. uh, you know, he made sure of that. Those three plays that um, you mentioned, monumental, iconic. Iconic. And iconic. Go down, you know, in history of, of just the greatest three plays that you can actually look back and say that was the culmination of a great individual game, of a great team game. And it's why, you know, in the case of the NBA, and I'm a little biased, but why he's the GOAT. Right, and, and why he's legendary. And let me say, out of those three three plays, Adam, that layup was most significant because he got that layup so quickly. Exactly. And Utah made a defensive blunder there letting him get that layup so quickly. Yeah. That layup opened the door for the steal. Yeah, spot on. They got the ball into Jordan so quickly, and then he scored within a matter of seconds, which then let Utah have their final possession, except for the last second buzzer beater that Stockton missed. But exactly. that allowed uh, Malone to get the ball in the post, and of course Jordan snuck up from behind and stripped it away, which led to the ultimate uh, way to clinch an NBA Finals. Uh, down one, hitting the game-winning shot with you know about six seconds left. So a phenomenal finish to his uh, time with the Bulls, no doubt. It's going to be fascinating to see how the director, uh, Jason Hare, how he actually pieces that together, the final moments. A lot of pressure, I guess, on him to put it together, but I just can't wait to see how it comes out, and I'm sure it's going to be just a, a wonderful way to sort of put a uh, punctuation mark on the series when they do recap and sort of cover the final game, that game six in Utah. So that, that should be very interesting, to say the least. They're going to have a unbelievable audience for it. I mean, it's yeah. unfortunate how things are, and we, we all dealing with this pandemic worldwide. No place hasn't been touched by this, but it also presents a great opportunity. I hope that uh, they, they did a great job with this and that uh, not only will it be entertaining, but it'll also be enlightening, and we get to see Michael in a three-dimensional way. You know, most of the time it's been basically one-dimensional, and, and hopefully this success some light on who he is, not just as a basketball player, but as a person, and uh, we'll get some insight to that. And if it, if it can do all of that at the same time, show us things we already do know in a more dramatic way, that'd be icing on the cake to me. Perfectly said. Thank you so much for your time today. In closing, uh, here's a great quote from the series director, Jason Hare. Uh, quote, Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls weren't just sports superstars, they were a global phenomenon. Making the last dance was an incredible opportunity to explore the extraordinary impact of one man and one team. For nearly three years, we searched far and wide to present the definitive story of an era-defining dynasty and to present these sports heroes as humans. I hope viewers enjoy watching our series as much as we enjoyed the opportunity to make it. End quote. So that's a perfect way to close things. Uh, Nate and Nigel, it's been a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks again for taking time out of your day to chat with me and uh, stay safe. And I hope we can do this again someday in the future. Thank you for inviting us. And, uh, and I agree with uh, the director's statement, making them human. That's very important to see these ball players as humans, as human, as human beings. I think that's very important. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm going to give me some popcorn and something to drink and, and watch every episode. Absolutely. Sounds great. And thank you, Nigel. Thank you for having us and uh, be safe out there. Yeah, be safe, Adam. Um, Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening.
I welcome your interaction with the show. You can suggest topics or guests you want to hear conversations with. Send me an email. Audio clips are welcome. In all airness at gmail.com. Time now to share another great review from a fan of the show. Thanks to you stop it, Ryan, 21206. And I'm very confident that's not his real name via Apple Podcasts USA. It's titled, I'm now a better NBA fan. And it reads, I'm so glad I found this podcast. Adam does a great job. Great interviews. Thank you, 21206. Much appreciated, mate. Worldwide, the show now has 125 ratings on Apple Podcasts with an average of four and a half stars and 81 reviews across all providers. Thanks for your continued support. If you had a review, I'd love to read it out on a future episode. As I do love to say, your ratings and reviews are one of the best ways you can support the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please do tell your basketball-loving friends about it. Your word-of-mouth recommendations are worth their weight in gold. Stay up to date with my podcast and subscribe to my monthly email newsletter. You'll receive exclusive details on upcoming podcast episodes, future high-profile guests to appear on the show, and much more. Just send me an email, inallairness at gmail.com, and I'll add you to the list of fans. You can subscribe to my show in various ways. Search for In All Airness, three words, on your podcast app of choice. The show is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Android, and more. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues in allairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallairness. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash inallairness. Join me next time for another edition of the show.